Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, your source for breaking news, business trends, and economic forecasts here and abroad that impact one-third of America's economy. And now your hosts, Lou Weiss and Tim Grady. And thank you for listening to this special broadcast of Manufacturing Talk Radio. Shortly, we are going to bring on our guest, Tim Fiore, who's the committee chair for the Manufacturing Report on Business. Before we get to Tim, I just want to check in with Lou. Lou, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I saw the ISM number, and that's that's wild. <laughs> that's wild. It should only go on for a year. Uh, and and I, saw, I read a lot of the other numbers, and I'm really excited. I can't wait to get uh, 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 t- Tony, uh, uh, Tim uh, on the phone. Um, and he's, he's usually right on the mark. He made it into the studio within five seconds of due time. So, Tim, <laughs> take it away. So let's bring on Tim Fiore. Tim, how are you today? Uh, great, uh, Tim and Lou. Good to be here. It's uh, it's quite a month. You're absolutely right. At sixty point eight, what a what a month, and a, and a deep story here too. Well, oh, before you start with the story, I got to ask you: How do you manage to get into a studio five seconds before <laughs> due time? You, uh, I mean, you I'm must... a, I've, I've always been a big fan of the Flash. <laughs> oh, you know, the Flash. You're talking about the. Comic character, or yeah, you're talking the flash, about the flash. The there's only one flash. Uh, <laughs> ah, right, right. Okay, okay. I got that. <clears throat> it is uh, yeah, these are these are these are wild numbers, and uh, and I can't wait to hear that there's a story behind it. Yeah. So, so let me begin. So, you, you want me to begin? All stories start with once upon a time. Once upon a time, there was a manufacturing guy. Now, <laughs> okay. Go yeah, we we uh, we had a great month, uh, you know, really strong month, sixty point eight, the highest PMI in fourteen years, and uh, fifteen of the eighteen industries expanded, which was better than last month. All six of the big guys contributed, and we beat the three month rolling average, obviously, in the six month rolling average, average in a big way. But there's a there's a story behind this, and. You know, uh, you know, I, I like to analyze this from a demand, a consumption, and an input side. So uh, there's a story to each. You want me to start? No. All right. So demand, new orders, 64.2, uh, a very strong number. Over 60 is really strong. Uh, but we've had three straight months of slight declines. So kind of raised my eyebrow, but all six big industries reported positive expansion, it's greater than 90% really of uh, manufacturing GDP reported new order expansion. So uh, all very positive stuff. You know, on top of that, customer inventories were too low. Yet again, they dropped again to the 43 level, which, uh, you know, means that we weren't able to keep the customers stocked with material to sell, uh, which is a good thing from the standpoint of next month and the month after. And then on top of that, backlog grew 3.6 points to its highest level since April of 2011. So, uh, Either production couldn't keep up with uh, our panelist companies' demands, or we were receiving a lot of under lead time orders from our customers. And most likely it's a combination of both, given the dynamics going on in the market. So overall, demand remains really robust, and that, you know, if I, I feel really good about Q1 close and, and uh, running into Q2. Let me ask you a question. Uh, on you, you have a, the rolling average for 12 months at 58 uh, the average of uh, 58.0. Yep. Uh, 
how long has that been the highest that that is? Uh, let's see. Well, I think the the uh, the lowest the, the lowest number continues to the, the average continues to run. Sixty point eight obviously is the highest. Um, right. You know, and we're once we drop off the low number, uh, April 2017, that rolling 12-month average is going to grow again. Uh, you know, I, I tend to look at the three-month rolling average, and you know, obviously, if you're setting records 14 from 14 years ago, you're going to be better than the last couple of months. So, uh, but if you look at the six-month at 59.3, the three-month at 59.7, this thing came in at 60.8, well above the, yeah. the three-month rolling average. So, you know, demand's really Really good. Uh, so let's let's talk about the consumption side. So consumption I see is production and employment. And production in '62 was was really strong again, uh, but it was the least expansion in the last four months. We we had some uh, sawtooth kind of stuff in the last four months, but this one in the last four months was the least. Uh, but we've had over nine straight months of over 60, and like I said, over 60 is a uh, wide scale broad. Uh, Expansion and you know the expansion numbers were in the, at the industry sector level were uh, 53 or better to you know maxes of 70. So they're really strong numbers. Um, but so why wasn't it higher? Uh, but, you know let's talk a little bit first about the employment side. Up 5.5. Five of the six big industries contributed to the expansion. The only one that didn't was chemicals, which isn't a real big employer anyway. So you ask yourself, when did those people actually show up for work? Uh, you know, we ask our panelists, is their employment levels higher this month compared to the prior month? And they tell us yes, but it doesn't mean they showed up early in the month to report to work and produce something. So, you know, I think we have a little bit of lag time there. And, uh, you know, I, I think as, uh, as we roll into uh, March, that high employment number is going to essentially free up the production side if you can get material. So let's talk about material. The supplier, I think the whole story this month is a supplier delivery issue. Uh, it continues, suppliers continue to struggle uh, meeting demand. They continue to have difficulty in, uh, in hiring people. We had comments now around uh, being able to acquire temp labor. Uh, you know, the price increases that have continued to dog the market here, uh, steel, aluminum, plastics, computer components, corrugate. Uh, many of these suppliers are the ones that face that first, and they're also the ones that are at least likely to give in to rising prices because they don't want to get into the big squeeze. And I, you know, I think what's happened here is that they're struggling with increased demand, uh, difficulty in executing orders with their own supply base because of price increases and allocations in a lot of sense. And what's happened is the number has gone up to 61.1. We've had four straight months of uh, more and more difficulty of supplies to deliver. Now, what that's meant is that it's impacted the inventory account. Inventory is now an absolute factor in the PMI. Uh, inventory was up 4.4 points, and uh, you, you, you ask yourself a couple questions. Is that inventory up because uh, it's needed for next month? I would say yeah, the answer to that is yes. Um, is it up because it uh, our company respondents couldn't stop suppliers from delivery, delivering stuff they didn't want. I would say, no, that's not what's going on here. I, I think the other element that's happening is that uh, because of the under lead time demands that are occurring across the whole supply chain, that we're having inefficiencies in the inventory account. And uh, there are two reasons for that. 
know, the first one, as you think about it, you're going to build a widget. The widget's got 100 part numbers to it. If you get 99 of them, it's not enough. You need 100. So when you start placing under lead time orders throughout your supply chain, the likelihood of you having missing that one piece becomes more and more probable, but you still end up carrying the inventory of those 99 pieces. So I think we're seeing some of that happen in the supply chain, and it's being reflected now in the inventory account. And then the other reason is that you know we've got major freight issues across the whole system. They started at the uh, hurricane back in September, and they just continued to cause problems from the standpoint of pricing structures and reliable transport. And uh, you know, even if your suppliers can ship under lead time needs or ship on time, you're still not as sure that it's going to get to your using location at the time that it's needed. And, and all of that ends up affecting inventory accounts. So I, you know, I think the real story here for the PMI is that it was the input side that drove the number up. And uh, supplier deliveries, yes, but probably more importantly, you know, the inventory account going up uh, 4.4 points. Uh, to your point about um, uh, new orders and inventory and so on, one of the things that we're finding at All Metals and Forge Group is that uh, a lot of the orders that we've seen increases in, we are seeing uh, customers buying goods on release where they'll give us a LTA, uh, a long-term agreement, and have X number of parts shipped every month or every three months and so on. And there's been a, a significant increase in that. And they're, they're anticipating uh, long, going, long ongoing contracts and uh, needs. So that's, uh, that, that's one of our telltale signs. Yeah, so they're relying on you really to do their, their uh, backward forecasting with any raw material needs. So as their release case quickens, and you know you have an established buffer stock that you've been building to, so you can deliver on demand. You you then have to step up your orders to your raw material suppliers. And if it if that speed increases too fast, you end up with an under, under lead time demand to your supplier. And to, you when, know the lowest guy in the supply chain is the one that takes all the heat in the end. Right. One of yeah. one of the bad things about LTAs is that they always want to buy a. Uh, set price, let's say for a year, and uh, unless we put in a escalator clause, uh, and we will give them a firm price, uh, prices of steel go up. Uh, well, we take the heat, as you put it, and steel over the last two years has gone up 22 percent in price here in the United States. Correct. So it's hard to right. do. It's hard to do an LTA without an escalator. Yeah, it absolutely is, especially for stuff that's outside your control. So. A lot of the conversations that I've had over the morning is, uh, you know, post-hurricane and the impact that we had, for instance, on plastics and the fact that steel is up 22%. And you know what that means is when you get a quote that's going to be more than what you expected it to be, you look for other alternatives, and then you start negotiation. And, you know, that right. you, your, your management had hoped that maybe you could turn that uh, request for a purchase order around in maybe a week. The next thing, it turns out it's four weeks. And what does that do to your lead time and your supplier's ability to deliver on time? By the time you place the order, what was a, an established six-week lead time, maybe you've only given the supplier now two weeks to respond. And, well, you know the disruption it causes. You're in it all the time. So I, I think we're seeing a lot of that now because we've had 22 months of sustained price increases. And, and 
steel and aluminum. I mean, we we should probably talk about 232, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's it's going to happen. And I've I've had the conversations this morning with several people. It's like I'm 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 just stunned that it's going to happen because if you think the the supplier delivery number and inventory number is high now, wait till that goes into place. Uh, where where do you think it's going into place? When do you think it's going into place? I, I, you know, I didn't see the news conferences and stuff, but it's obviously being uh, – it's probably 85% of the way over the goal line. And, uh, right. you know, they're essentially going to say that it's a national asset, that we need to buy more U.S. steel of all types. And if we if uh, if we don't, you're going to pay a price for that. And uh, from what I understand, they're they're going to try to put a tariff on the steel content of finished parts. And, uh, you know, because I, I personally don't think there's a lot of importing of raw steel into the country outside of Canada and Mexico. Uh, but there is quite a bit of uh, fabrications and machine componentry and things that come in that are made from uh, European or uh, Japanese steel or Asian steel and machined and finished and sent in as finished parts. I think there's quite a bit of mm-hmm. that. And what they're going to try to do is they're going to try to put a tax on the steel content. So just think of the complexity of that, you know, weights and duties and you know corrections and this you know, just and re, you know restructuring deals with offshore suppliers oh boy what not a, a problem yeah not what a, a mess <laughs> <laughs> and then you know not if a... it's really driving for new steel uh, foundries new steel mills i mean it's got to be a two-year lead time uh, when i was at tiss and krupp we we built a steel a rolling mill in uh, calvert alabama i think that was a three-year activity so you know and you know when it's time to invest in a steel mill, people go and invest, and by the time it's ready, the demand isn't there anymore. So right. I, I just don't <laughs> see where this is a benefit to commerce. I, I know a lot of the uh, the end users and intermediates have been arguing strongly about how this is a bad move, but I you know I think it's really a a decision that was made at election time that we're going to bring steel jobs back and. The steel lobby is uh, really happy about it, and uh, you know the other 98% of us won't be. Well, you know, there's another factor in, in regards to steel, and I don't mean to make this a whole steel conversation, uh, but that the point is that uh, uh, in the United States, when all of our steel mills were shutting down years and years ago, and they never really rebuilt that segment of the steel industry, that there are certain steel products that cannot be made here. Correct. And one, and they don't want to make it here. There are certain Correct. alloys. You right. know, you go beyond certain alloy steels, they don't want to make it anymore because you can't make any money. So now yeah, you go buy it overseas, wherever it is, China, Japan, the, Korea, and now you're going to pay higher price because their prices have gone up also. And now we're right. going to add, uh, what, 25 30% uh, uh, tariff on it. Who's going to pay for that? Yeah, well, that's exactly the it. I mean, user. Right. Eventually, right. But in the meantime, there's going to be lots of pain and lots of delays and lots of analysis and lots of figuring out whether, what's the right acquisition path. And, oh, boy, it's, right. Uh, right. it's going to cut. We'll be talking about this next month. I'm pretty sure of that. Uh, probably. Probably. Uh, so, meanwhile, uh, the number is six point sixty point eight, and we we will we'll promise you a gold jacket at some point, the yellow jacket. <laughs> well, you know, I hope the PMI continues to expand, but I I hope it's not because of supplier deliveries and inventory. 
So, uh, you know, that's that's kind of it's okay now, but if it continues to expand 61, 62 because of those issues, at some point that starts to really put a collar around growth. Uh, I don't think we're there now, but I, it's it's got the potential. So, um, yeah. So let's see. Let's so let's talk about. Uh, imports. Imports were a big surprise. And, you know, I'm, I'm starting to look at imports more of as, as an input, too, because imports are raw, raw material. And uh, they expanded again. I mean, and uh, yeah, to, probably to keep pace with production, it'll be interesting to see all six big industries are in there. So fabricated metal products, transportation equipment, machinery, you know, those are three three of the uh, the big six that use a lot of steel. So Mm-hmm. You know, maybe there was some activity to try to pull some of that stuff in before things went into place, but probably not. I don't think the supply chain could react that well. But our imports were at the highest level since uh, February of 2007. Wow. And it's, it's kind of surprising because yeah. the, the currency is fairly weak. So uh, so this, this has to mean that the demand is so great that it really doesn't matter uh, that the currency is weaker and you're not getting as much for your dollar. You just... Well, you know the way it is. You have to get the material first, and secondarily, it's what it costs you. So, I think that's actually right. in play here, which is another big support to uh, to the strong demand side. And it's interesting that uh, imports uh, went up, but it's less than our exports, which is always a good sign. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, and and on the export side, we hit a new high since April of 2011. And uh, we did that last month, too. So this is the second sequential high since uh, April of 2011. So yeah. exports are really, really humming along, and they have have been for quite some time. And, and all six of our big industry sectors are uh, are affecting that number. So I think, uh, you know, our number, let's see, our, our number, number three export uh, industry sector was petroleum and coal products. Interesting, right? That's probably refined products being exported. And uh, right. chemical products, which is all kinds of chemicals, right? So and pharmaceuticals. So and uh, you know those chemicals is number two, and petroleum and coal products is number seven, I think. So uh, you know really really strong export performance. Uh, it's goodness. I mean, and and you know the, the currency seems to be. There, I don't see anything that's going to make that currency firm up and reverse that. So and exports, I think, are what uh, fifth. 12 to 15 percent of total output, so I think that's really good. Right. Do you see? Uh, and do you have a bead on the aerospace industry? I know that's usually a, a, a big export factor for us. Um, is is that something that uh, you have broken out in one of your numbers? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's in the transportation equipment sector, and it's closer to the right. uh, to the 50 mark. Um, I don't know exactly. Is it you know 52 or 55? I can't tell you that, but it's definitely there, and mm-hmm. and transportation has been there for as long as I can remember. So, uh, hey, the air, air, aerospace industry is doing well, and the commercial aerospace business is doing very well. They're they're still forecasting, mm-hmm. I don't know, six or eight uh, percent traveler growth uh, year to year, and you know the record backlogs in place for commercial transports, and Boeing's getting ready to launch replacements for its uh, 757. Uh, there's some engine issues out there that, are, that people are working their way through that are going to cut fuel economy, uh, improve fuel economy by 15 or 18 percent, and cut noise and emissions. So it's we're in a new generation, I think, of uh, of traveling. 
Do you think that the new passenger increase has anything to do with uh, the people that they drag off planes? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That was beyond me. <laughs> Falls out so, of Tim your uh, uh, area of expertise. Yeah, it's outside my area of expertise. Tim, it's interesting to me that we're seeing a recurring pattern here. We see an economy that is finally getting legs after a very long recovery. A new administration has come in. They've done some things like the tax reform package that has clearly helped business and industry. Then they begin to put on tariffs, which are going to raise prices, which ultimately are, will trickle through to the consumer. Uh, and lessen consumer confidence, and uh, then weaken purchasing, and they're going to walk themselves into the next recession if they keep it up. Yeah. Yeah, you're yeah. drinking the lemonade. Yeah. It's, you're it's, drinking uh, the lemonade. <laughs> this is why business is so much fun, right? The business and the economy. That's there right. are so many moving parts of this thing, and they, you know, they never really all align. And you know, like like I think we talked about last month. I mean, the the, the big wild card here is what happens with interest rates. I mean. I, I don't think that the PMI is really showing the impact of the uh, Tax Cut and Job Act or the deficit spending. I don't, I don't think it's showing up yet. Uh, even the capital expenditures, the incremental uh, capex that, that uh, probably is out of plan, I don't think it's really showing up yet. I think it's going to start to show up in March and April. So none of that hot fuel is in this thing. Uh, the only thing that's going to uh, offset it, really, but you know, the tariffs will just cause lots of confusion. And uh, you're right, at some point that, that uh, cost growth will make its way to the consumer. I mean, it's going to be the Fed's job who's going to probably do something on interest rates and then sell back all those bonds into the market to take cash out. I mean, I think that's why the Fed is there, right, to kind of monetize and, and make sure that things don't – make sure that things stay within some proper order. And, uh, you know, all, all their tools and – you know, we, we haven't had a, a, any kind of real positive fiscal policy in a long time. And monetary policy, all the tools were taken out of the bag and used. Uh, and now, you know, we're probably at a point in time where they're all going to come back out of that bag and be used again. So yeah, it's going to be it's, – it's fun time, really, to be in business. You know, I've been getting questions uh, throughout the morning about prices and are these inflationary or not. And, uh, you know, 74.2 on the price index, 24 – straight months of uh, of price growth and um, you know back-to-back -back high indexes that we haven't seen since May of 2011 and a lot of the same stuff showing up but I think more importantly this time we had uh, temp labor show up as an issue which goes back to the employment discussion and uh, and freight expense which goes back to the shortage of uh, trucks to be able to move material uh, to and from point A and point B. So it's all kind of linked together here, I think, and in, in the whole PMI story is that, um, you know, everything is kind of, everything relates to each other. And we only had 2.7% of uh, the respondents reporting lower prices. So we're, you know, we're kind of great guns here. Uh, prices are increasing. But my guess is they're increasing faster than the rate of what was expected at budget time which is probably going to now cause delays in order placement, which at some point in the future will cause problems in supplier deliveries, which will impact the inventory accounts, So, which will also impact production output. So, I mean, I think we're in the throes here as prices increase at the input level, 
at the uh, probably at a, at a more significant rate than was planned, how it cascades down the whole PMI ladder, and uh, and you know we'll be talking about this stuff for the next four or five months. It'll keep me in a job. <laughs> there's, also right. another, there's also another number that I've been tracking for years, and that's the uh, machine tool orders. And it's it's interesting that for whatever reason the association puts out that information is always two months behind. So the February uh, the February numbers are not going to come out until April. But the, one of the other good parts about it is that their projections are pretty much a forecaster of what's going to be in the next six months. So last month's number, which is showing March, April, but predicting May, June, are all looking very good. So there could very well be a riding, ride-along effect with the PMI on top of the machine tool orders. Yeah, so, so what, what are they measuring? Are they measuring lead times, or what are they, what are they measuring? Um, they also have um, a questionnaire and a panel, and uh, similarly to uh, what uh, uh, the ISM is doing, they do a similar version of it. But yeah, for so whatever po- reason, like I say, it's, it's, oh, it's very positive. Very so positive, positive for them means uh, means probably difficulty for everybody who buys this stuff, right? Yeah. Meaning that there's yeah. not going to be a lot of capacity for us to just go in and buy a machine tool. You're going to have to wait. Well, you- well, you buy a machine tool, and you, you know, you're going to have to wait. It takes a month or two to get your tooling. But it's showing that there are orders out there two, three, four, six months out that they're preparing for, which do not, which are not reflected in your report yet. You're reporting the numbers as of today. This yeah, compared to last month, right. what's going to be. Right, right. So they're kind of looking down the road, and uh, that's, that's a very positive thing that, uh, that I look at. Anyway. Yeah, so let's let's so that's so, a good closer here. So we do we do do a we ask the panel about lead times, and we ask them about capex lead time, uh, production material, and MRO. So last month we talked about the fact that lead times got uh, extended on the capex side. Uh, this month they contracted slightly, so we we uh, we gave back five days. Uh, as it turned out, last month we went up eleven days. And uh, we gave back five days this month, so we gave back almost half of what it grew, but it's still higher than where it was before the uh, Tax Cut and Jobs Act. So, and I think this really is just a, a slight bubble. I, I think it's going to get pushed out again next month. I think we're in a period of time here where we're getting approval to go ahead and make those out-of-plan capex expenditures, uh, you know, because of the tax plan approval back in late December. So, so I think that's still positive. And then on the other side, back to your point about order releases and long-term agreements, the uh, production materials went out four days this month. Uh, and yeah. that's the most significant change I've seen since I took the job. And it it comes out to about, uh, let's see, shh, production material, I think that's about a 5% extension. So, uh, yeah. you know, yeah, that's, yeah, right. So, let's see, shh, 7%. So we went out four days. It's a seven percent uh, extension of lead times, and and you know every time, anytime lead time gets extended, it, it puts all kinds of other variables into being able to execute a manufacturing plan uh, according to plan. Any, anytime lead times goes out, you lose agility and flexibility in manufacturing. So, lead time extensions only feel good 
from the standpoint of backlog, uh, from the right. standpoint of operational execution, extended lead times lead to a lot of confusion. I love the backlog. You love the backlog, <laughs> right? Yeah, I, I, I love backlog. I well, you should backlog. love this backlog this month. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's a really strong number. 59.8. That's that's marvelous. Up 3.6. That's great stuff. You did a wonderful job again. <laughs> I'm not taking any All credit about- for this. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for joining us again, Tim, on Manufacturing Talk Radio. Yeah, it's good to be here, guys. A uh, pleasure to be with you and to try to help people interpret what the report means. And uh, I, it's going to be a fun month of uh, March, I'm sure, and we'll be here talking about new stuff again. I'm, I'm sure that that will be the case. It's better than a roller coaster. It sure is. <laughs> All right. You, you be well, and we'll be talking to you. All right. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. We've been talking with Tim Fiore, who's the committee chair for the Institute for Supply Management's Manufacturing Report on Business, where he reports on the Purchasing Managers Index. Lou, there's an interesting number in his report on the overall economy growing, 106 months of growth. That is tied for the second longest expansion in U.S. history, which occurred back in, it began in February of 1961, and it ended in December of 1969. So we're at a tie, and next uh, month we'll break that tie and be the second longest expansion. Well, uh, th- that, that's a great forecast. I hope that you win that bet. Um, meanwhile, it all started in uh, 2008 when our numbers were virtually in the toilet. So they had a long Clearly. time and a long hold to climb out of. But uh, bigger and bigger is better, and uh, I'll take it the way it comes. We're very excited to talk about another booming ISM report. In case you haven't caught all of the news, the Institute for Supply Management puts out two reports each month where they have key leading indicators that they compute using an algorithm they've used for decades. And those reports are coming out incredibly positive. So we have with us today... Anthony Nieves, who is the committee chair for the non-manufacturing report on business, to give us an update on that report. Lou, it looks like the non-manufacturing report is as strong as the manufacturing report. Uh, we're just, uh, you know, cooking with steam here in this country. Uh, as long as we don't talk to Chris Keel and his unless theory. But, uh, yeah, it really seems great. And, uh the ISM report, the manufacturing, you know, they're talking about this thing going the rest of the year. We'll have to find out from uh, Anthony what uh, non-manufacturing looks like for the rest of the year. So, Anthony, the report is out. Uh, it came out this morning, and I want to find out from you, you know, what the overall number is. And somewhere in this discussion, we'll take a quick commercial break. But for right now, Anthony, give us the good news. Good morning, gentlemen. As we look at the release this morning, uh, the composite index at 59.5 is just off uh, slightly from the previous month's reading of 59.9, which was a a high for the um, ISM non-manufacturing report on business. And uh, when we look at this composite index and the indexes that comprise it that are equally weighted, 
the one that uh, kind of maybe was a bit of a drawdown on this uh, uh, index month to month was the employment index at 55. But overall, when you look at it in totality, it's just a very strong report. As you know, we're measuring change month to month. And as that baseline moves, uh, we see this continued growth in the sector uh, that doesn't seem to be uh, letting up. Second consecutive strong month. Um, we've had uh, consecutive months uh, for the composite index. 97 is the trend. Uh, when you look at the business activity, it's 103 consecutive months. So this sector normally had been going uh, at a very consistent uh, incremental pace, uh, and now we're seeing just this heat up here in the last uh, quarter of, of, of the prior year, and now we're starting off this year very strong as well. Uh, before you go into the uh, individual aspects of the report, uh, Anthony, uh, for those who might be new to the show and new to uh, Institute of Supply Management, even though I can't imagine anybody not, not knowing you guys, uh, could you give us an idea as to which industries are in the non-manufacturing uh, sector? Because some of them are somewhat surprising. Yes, there are 18 industries, the same number that we see comprising uh, the manufacturing side. So there are 18 industries, and it's very, very eclectic in how it's broken out, uh, as it's also non-manufacturing is referred to as the services uh, sector. It's, uh, it contains uh, industries such as educational services, transportation and warehousing, utilities, real estate, rental and leasing, wholesale trade, finance and insurance, management of companies and support services, professional scientific and technical services, healthcare and social assistance, other services, which is uh, has like uh, grant making and printing and some other types of uh, individual industries that don't fall into the other categories. You have uh, mining and construction and public administration, retail trade, agriculture, forestry, fishing, and hunting, information, accommodation and food services, arts, entertainment, and recreation. Those are the 18 industries that make up the uh, non-manufacturing sector. The one that always uh, gets me is mining and construction. But I, <laughs> I guess it has to fit somewhere. And you think about it, you know, construction and everyone thinks that, you know, I know for me, initially I thought, well, construction, they're building things. Why wouldn't it be in manufacturing? Well, in essence, they are building, but they're assembling. They're assembling uh, and not really producing something uh, from raw material like you would see uh, in the uh, manufacturing sector. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, okay. Okay, so let's get into the report. First. So, Anthony, I see that, why don't you share with our listeners as well the sub-indices. I know that uh, we often hear in the media that you know, the number's down from last month, but that's not exactly an accurate statement. It's a roll-up every month of the sub-indices. So why don't you go into those? Certainly. And, and you touch on such a very good point. Everyone always tries to put a numeric value to these indices. And when you look at them, it's, it's measuring change month to month. And the baseline is 50. Anything above 50 represents growth or expansion, and anything below 50 is a decrease or contraction. And 
when we look at measuring that change, we have to keep in mind that the baseline will move. So as in, uh, give you an example, we had last month for business activity, it was 59.8, a very strong reading. And now we're measuring from that level of the prior month to this month, it's 62.8, which is up three percentage points. So that tells you how much growth really has transpired in that month period of time. The four uh, indices that make up or comprise the composite index, the NMI, is business activity, new orders, employment, and supplier deliveries, all equally weighted at 25%. So when we look at new orders, which represents going forward what's in the pipeline, 64.8, up 2.1 percentage points from the 62.7. That indicates that what we have in the pipeline for the future is representing additional growth, potential additional growth. The employment index, which is a very strong component uh, due to the fact that this is such a labor-intensive sector, at 55, representing a decline of 6.6 .6 percentage points from the 61.6, one might conclude that, well, it's really slowing. It's not really slowing. Again, we're measuring change month to month. So at 55, from a previous high that we had at 61.6 represents, again, growth from that moving baseline. And supplier deliveries, which indicates to us what we have as far as output and what might be slowing or increasing as far as things uh, surrounding uh, capacity and other uh, internal uh, workings of these uh, respective companies, 55.5, we're seeing the third consecutive month of the same reading of slowing deliveries. So, Anthony, I'm, uh, I'm looking at this employment numbers. I'm sure everybody who looks at the report kind of zeroes in on that number and says, oh, it's down 6.6. .6. But isn't the reality in the roll-up is that we're at about 4% unemployment? I mean, there's not that many more jobs to fill. You're hitting it right on the head. It's a tight labor market. It's definitely uh, we're seeing as listed in short supply consecutive months going on for this sector of not only skilled labor but temporary labor, construction labor. Each and every month we're seeing that show up in the report as uh, being a tight supply, short supply, up in price. We're starting to see wage increases. The market is very tight right now for finding uh, qualified workers for specific industries. And certainly I see that prices, much like the manufacturing port point, uh, I'm sorry, report, that's showing a 24-month trend of prices increasing, this report's uh, showing the same thing. Now, are, is this sector also able to or beginning to pass on those price increases to the end user, Anthony? That's, that's a great question. And what we're seeing in the past, what we've seen in the past, rather, is that there was not really this ability to pass the cost on due to the competitiveness uh, that we were seeing, the transparency into prices on both the commercial and consumer side. And now we're starting to see a little bit of creep in. We're starting to see some inflation, not sharp inflation, but inflation is definitely starting to be evident. And so we're seeing prices in the past were mostly in the uh, fuel and fuel-related petroleum, petroleum-based products uh, arena. And now we're, and we also had some carryover from the manufacturing side with metals. We saw that in steel and steel products. Uh, as, as you guys are well aware, the, the precious metals have been uh, cost-driven uh, for quite some time. And, and 
keeping in mind that many of the supplier providers that comprise the manufacturing sector, or I should say many of the companies that comprise the supplier uh, arena for non-manufacturing are based in the manufacturing sector. So we're starting to see from upstream, downstream, uh, those prices pushing through the equation, and uh, we're starting to also see that as you uh, pose the question uh, coming into the uh, product cost. Right, right. Um, Lou? One of the things that I find uh, interesting, I'm going to take it right to the the end of your report because I've only got about three minutes uh, left. I have to leave. I'm heading to another event. Uh, The overall economy for both the uh, non-manufacturing and the manufacturing sector, the the growing trend has been 103 months for manufacturing and 97 for non-manufacturing. So, This is really a wide broadband growth uh, event that we're going through in this country, and not only here in this country, but outside this country. So that's very very powerful. Definitely seeing that uh, we keep hearing about the uh, global synchronized growth, and uh, it's been evident uh, with uh, how much better uh, Europe is doing as opposed to uh, uh, what was that not the case in the past? And we're seeing right. that also when we talk about this tight labor market, uh, they're having the same issues over in uh, in the U.K. The U.K. wages are rising and companies are struggling to fill vacancies as well. Anthony, and they're looking for a 30-hour week. <laughs> oh, yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> Uh, Anthony, with with new orders continuing to increase and a very tight labor market, are those the elements that are pushing up the backlog of orders? Well, that's that's another great question, and I'll tell you, when we look at the backlog of orders and the slowing of supplier deliveries, if you look through the report and some uh, some of the comments coming from our respondents and what was um, evident in when looking at the data. There is a shortage on the logistics side um, as it relates to the availability of trailers and drivers, and that has uh, really uh, impinged uh, the the uh, um, the deliveries as well as uh, creating backlog. No doubt, no doubt. That's going to be very tight for a long time. I don't see a lot of people um, going into Uh, becoming drivers for long-haul rigs. Um, I know that Lou Weiss is going to step out here. He's got another engagement. And as he steps out, I think we'll take a quick commercial break, and then we're going to come back. uh, We'll kind of talk a little bit more with Anthony Nieves on the Institute for Supply Management on the uh, non-manufacturing report on business. So we'll be right back. Manufacturing Talk Radio will be right back. How do you keep your business humming? Where do you go when you're looking for quality suppliers of new equipment? Components, MRO supplies, repair services, or even raw materials. 30 years ago, you would have turned to the Thomas Register. Today, those big green books are better than ever at thomasnet.com, industry's leading platform for product sourcing and supplier discovery. You can easily find that local machine shop, national distributor, OEM, or any supplier having the right quality certification. Fast and free. You can even get to specific products, components, 
or downloadable 3D CAD drawings simply by entering specifications or part numbers. There's a reason ThomasNet.com has become the go-to supplier discovery tool for procurement professionals and engineers. There's simply no other resource like it, and it's all free. Go to ThomasNet.com today and see how top-notch supplier discovery doesn't have to put a dent into your bottom line. Welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. And we're back with Anthony Nieves, who's the committee chair for the Non-Manufacturing Report on Business that comes out from the Institute for Supply Management each month. Anthony, how are imports and exports doing? Is still going strong, or is there any headwinds to those? Well, we're seeing imports unchanged month-to-month, uh, -month, uh, down from the 54 that we had in January. So and that's coming off of a growing period. We're seeing that uh, just being unchanged as far as the rate. Uh, so uh, it seems to be uh, less imports happening right at this point in time for uh, the U.S.-based companies. And in regards to exports, we're seeing that growing uh, slightly 1.5 percentage points up from the 58 to 59.5. So uh, there's been this concerted effort that we're seeing about uh, doing things, uh, keeping things in, internal, uh, domestic rather, and so uh, we're seeing less and less on the importing side, but also keeping in mind that we just went through a period of time of Chinese New Year where things kind of slow at this point in time. Anthony, I know that the inventories at 61 is the same as last month, but considered too high. I wonder if you could share what inventories are in the non-manufacturing sector. Certainly. And um, before I touch base on that, I'll differentiate between the inventory sentiment and inventories themselves. The inventory sentiment, and this is something that was uh, came up with um, the Federal Reserve was asking us way back on how our respondents felt about their inventories matching up to their levels of business. So that's where the sentiment comes in. And when you're dealing with mm. the supply management professional, the psyche is anything more than uh, just in time seems to be a little high. Um, however, so being that it's a demand-pull type situation for non-manufacturing, um, inventories being what it may, it depends on the particular industry as to what they're measuring for inventory. Uh, if we look at accommodation and food services, they have uh, commissaries or storerooms that would have inventory. It might be food, beverage, operating supplies, things of that nature. Uh, it could be something on the uh, in another industry, it might be anything from uh, the material on hand, whether it be their collateral material, uh, things of that nature. If it's a consulting firm, it might be something else in regards to uh, what they're utilizing for uh, and measuring for inventory. The one thing we ask our, our respondents is that whatever they're identifying as their particular inventory for their respective companies, that they measure the same thing month over month so it doesn't change and it's not inconsistent as we're looking to uh, capture the uh, rate of change for those for that particular index. Okay. Now you're uh, professionally in the healthcare industry and I see that one of the things that's listed in short supply are IV solutions. I know you shared in the past that many of those were manufactured in Puerto Rico, which I thought was fascinating. Are you experiencing difficulty getting IV solutions for your 
uh, business? You know, not particularly. I'm uh, in the arena I'm in is is home health care, and uh, we do IV infusion, but it's not as uh, in a widespread um, usage that you would see in a hospital, in a hospital setting where mm-hmm. they're using them uh, all the time. So, you know, in my industry uh, or my particular company, we vary from, as I mentioned, the IV infusion to uh, physical therapy to you know, people recovering from uh, orthopedic surgery, uh, diabetes, um, dementia. So it's a, a litany of different illnesses that keep uh, people homebound, and that's what we focus uh-huh. on. As versus uh, something, as I mentioned, being so uh, widespread in its usage uh, for hospitals and even perhaps some skilled nursing facilities. Do you have the same challenges in getting qualified labor as the rest of the world? Definitely. Uh, clinicians are very hard to come by. Um, nurses, uh, for us, has always been a challenge uh, to ensure that we can staff all and have the, the proper geographic coverage uh, for the territories that we cover. Any other particular industries, Anthony, within non-manufacturing that you see in this report that are having difficulties in such a very upbeat economy at the moment? Well, we see it in the um, hospitality uh, arena, which would be accommodations and food services. Always tough to uh, uh, staff. Uh, we mentioned earlier about uh, truckers. Can't get enough truckers out mm-hmm. there. And uh, construction. Construction has been at the top of the list oh, uh, right. for consecutive months now, and it's just – Um, whether it be full-time or or temporary, uh, full-time equivalents, trying to uh, staff accordingly. Yeah, that certainly would be a challenge. In the overall, however, this report is quite excellent. What do you sense in terms of the uh, economy overall moving forward through 2018? Uh, Still uh, sensing uh, strength throughout the year? Uh, most definitely. I don't know if we'll sustain this strong level, this strong rate of growth going forward. All indications are that we'll have continued growth for this sector, and uh, it may moderate a little bit, but for the most part, it, it looks like it's going to remain strong. We've had consumer confidence at an all-time high since uh, 2000, uh, since November 2000. So when you couple that and the uh, potential uh, repatriation of dollars and tax breaks and everything else that seems to be uh, coming together. Um, There's the commercial and the uh, consumer confidence that uh, will keep the economy going strong. So far, that's all what the indications are. When we look at, uh, you know, how this translates, this report, the composite index at 59.5 corresponds to a 3.9% increase in GDP when you annualize it. Wow, that's very strong. Anthony, as we wrap this up, anything that our listeners should keep an eye out for on instituteforsupplymanagement.org in terms of perhaps a special report coming out or any new information? Well, we have our international conference, which I know you gentlemen will be there for in May, which is in Nashville. And uh, we'll be doing our semi-annual release uh, at that point in time. And uh, we'll measure not only what we think the rest of the year will be like, but do a year-over-year comparison and a first six-month comparison within that report. 
and uh, we'll see what what uh, what materializes out of that. Well, we certainly thank you for joining us again. Yeah, the annual conference that is in Nashville this time of the year, or this year in 2018, we certainly encourage everybody to take a serious look at us more than just supply chain, because supply chain now touches everything in manufacturing and non-manufacturing from end to end. So if you want to get a good sense of where this economy is going and where you fit into it and what uh, challenges or opportunities you're going to have, we would strongly encourage you to uh, sign up for and attend that conference in Nashville. And that's, I don't know, have the May dates off uh, the top of my head, but they're at the website. So Anthony, again, thank you for joining us in Manufacturing Talk Radio, and we'll talk to you again next month. Thanks very much for having me on the show. We always appreciate you being here. And we've been speaking with Anthony Nieves, who is the committee chair for the Institute for Supply Management's non-manufacturing report on business. We always appreciate him being here. These are also, all of these recordings are stored at mfgtalkradio.com. You can visit there and get any of the information you like. And we hope you've enjoyed this segment. We're going to pair it up tomorrow with Anthony's counterpart, Tim Fiore, as he talks about the manufacturing report on business. Again, very strong. So check us out there and listen to us frequently because there's lots of new information going up all the time on Manufacturing Talk Radio. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.